0: Good morning again, church. Hey, I'm Andrew, the lead pastor here at Coastal Church in Chesapeake, and happy new year again to you. Um, does anyone know, like, when do you stop saying happy new year? Like, I'm never really sure. I know at some point it kind of fades away, but at least again right now, happy new year to you, okay? And nevertheless, look, we're right in the middle of our new year series called Anchors. Look, an anchor is designed to bring security, An anchor is designed to bring safety. It is supposed to be strong. Look, it holds. So when the storm comes, an anchor will not bend or break. When the storm comes, the anchor will not slip and it will not lose its grip. Today, the title of the message is called Anchored in the Word of God. Last week, we started a series asking the question What is your heart anchored in? And tonight, or today, what morning is it? It's morning. Today, right out the gate, I want to ask you, where is your heart anchored? Come on, what is it that has your heart starting off this year? And right out the gate, I want to challenge you, if your heart is not anchored in the Word of God, if you're not sure that this would be the year that you would anchor your heart in God's Word. Church, the Bible is the Word of God. Have you ever thought about just how special this book, the Bible is? Have you ever just thought about how special and how incredible this book is? In fact, here are some Bible stats for you. You don't have to write these down, but you can if you want, or maybe take a picture of this slide. But the Bible is the number one bestseller of all time. Look, each and every year, somewhere around a hundred million Bibles are either printed or sold. In fact, it outsells every other book in existence. In fact, they had to take it off the New York Times bestsellers list because no other book would ever have a chance because the Bible outsells every book every single year. The Bible covers about 1,500 years of human history. Even though it literally does cover all of time, like it begins from Genesis to Revelation, and it shows the entire picture of eternity, but it was actually written down over the course of about 1,500 years. It is 66 different books, written by 40 different authors. It was written across three different continents, Africa, Europe, and Asia. It was written in three different languages, in Hebrew, Aramaic, and Greek. And even though all of it, even though it was written across three different continents, three different languages, over the span of 1,500 years, it is all telling one big story. And this big story is that God is the pre-existing one. Before anyone or anything existed, even before time itself existed, God did. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit living in perfect unity and joy and relationship within himself— But for his good pleasure, he created the world. God spoke with his word, and things started to happen. He spoke, and with his word, the universe came into existence. And then he created, for his good pleasure, man and woman. For his good pleasure, not because he needed us, but because he wanted us, God created us. And this Bible shows us this incredible one big story that mankind in their rebellion turned against this God who is good, turned against this God and sin entered into the world. Man, sin is what causes the brokenness that we experience in us and all around us. And this story, this one big story in the Bible across 1,500 years it was written, man, it shows us that this God so loved the world that despite that sin, by every person he still pursues us. The Bible shows us that God so loved the world that despite that sin he still wants us. He doesn't need us, but he wants us. The Bible shows us with this one big story that God so loved the world that he would send Jesus into the world to save mankind from their sins. And this big story God shows us that he has made a way for us to be reconciled to him and to have a relationship with him. That lasts from now until eternity. You know, in our culture today, and really just hasn't even just been today, it's been for centuries, people have been trying to say that the Bible is either outdated, it's full of contradictions, that it is out of touch, it is irrelevant, or even that it's not true. In fact, one of the questions that Jesus followers will often get is, how do you know that the Bible is true? And I would even challenge you, if you get that question, to push back on the person a little bit and say, how do you know it's not? Man, how is it that one story can be written over the course of 1,500 years, three different continents across these three different languages, 40 different authors, 66 different books, all coming together telling this one congruent story? I mean, that alone in and of itself is a miracle. But we know as followers of Jesus that it isn't just a miracle. Man, this is the word of God. Man, this book points to one big story of man's greatest need. It has meant to be saved from his sins. And how this greatest need is met by the one and only God. This book has stood the test of time. And people tried to burn it. They tried to delete it. They tried to remove it, but they can't stop it. In fact, listen to some of the things what God says about his word. Look, God says about his word that his word is going to outlast everything. Every single thing, in First Peter chapter two or First Peter chapter one verse twenty four, it says, "For all flesh is like grass, and all its glory like the flower of grass. The grass withers, and the flower fails, but the word of the Lord remains forever. And this word is the good news that was preached to you." May God says that His word is never outdated. Hebrew chapter four verse twelve says, "For the word of God is living and active." It is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and spirit, of joints and marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. God says about his word that it is always truth that brings freedom. In John chapter 17, verse 17, Jesus said, look, sanctify them in your truth. Your word is truth. And in John chapter 8, verse 32, he says, you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. His word always brings truth, and it's truth that brings freedom. And God says about his word that his word will fulfill its purpose. Man, Isaiah chapter 55, verse 8, the Lord says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. Church, we as a church, we anchor our church, our ministry, our mission in and on the word of God. If the Lord has said it, we're going to submit to it. And I'm telling you right out the gate, if this church ever departs from the preaching and the teaching of the word of God, if this church ever departs from this high view of scripture, you have permission to shut this place down. Look, this place cannot be anchored in Andrew's degree. This place cannot be anchored in Sean Brown. This place cannot be anchored in the fact that, yes, it is 135 years old, and the church has been here right on the spot for about 135 years. It cannot be anchored in our new history that we're just about three years old either. Our church must be anchored in what has been breathed out by God. Our mission must be anchored in what has been breathed out by God. And that is useful for teaching and correcting and training and righteousness so that every one of us may be thoroughly equipped so that every one of us may be made complete. We are anchored in the word of God. Come on, are you anchored in God's word? And if you're not, I wanna challenge you. I wanna propose to you that in 2024 and beyond that you will be anchored in God's word. Look, today we're going to be in Ezekiel chapter thirty-seven. I want you going to turn to Ezekiel chapter thirty-seven, and don't be ashamed too if you have to use your table of contents to find this book in the Bible. Ezekiel is right between Lamentations and the Book of Daniel, so if you're before that or after that, you've passed it. It's right sandwiched in between those books. And as I've often said, when you're reading the Bible, man, God has really designed his word to be so simple that many people can just pick it up and read it and understand what it is that God's challenging you to do. When you read read God's word, whether it's prescriptive or descriptive, you can know what you should do, man, how to worship the Lord, bring glory to him, some steps that you should take. Most of what God has written down or allowed to be written down in his word is crystal clear, but there are some Sections, some books that are a little bit more challenging to understand, and I will admit to you, Ezekiel is one of those books of the Bible. So today, what I want to do in this section, we're going to be in chapter thirty-seven. I'm going to give you some context for where we are, and then I'm going to take a moment. I'm going to read all of the passages we're going to be in today. I'm going to pray, and I'm going to show you from this passage three reasons why we need to be anchored in the Word of God for this year. So here in the book of Ezekiel. Man, we see that this book is all about the glory of God. Man, what it points to is that the people of Judah, who were the southern kingdom of Israel, they had started to move toward rebellion. And because of their rebellion against God, they were placed into captivity in Babylon. There were about 10,000 Jewish people who were in captivity. And one of those people was Ezekiel. Ezekiel was actually about 30 years old when this was written, when he wrote down these words right here. And we know that because usually right around that time, the age 30, is when prophets or preachers would actually begin their ministry. So Ezekiel was about 30 years old when his ministry actually began. And Ezekiel himself, yes, he's also understanding. He's also part of this captivity and experiencing the burdens of that. But he himself also, not just globally experienced the burden of this captivity— But he also felt the pain of this season as well. In fact, if you read Ezekiel chapter 24, Ezekiel actually lost his wife. And for some reason, he wasn't even allowed to mourn in that moment. So yes, there's this kind of this global pain he's experiencing, but it's also this personal pain as well. Again, one of the themes of this book is the glory of God. Ezekiel will prophesy in this book that there will be this future restoration of God and his people that will come through the Messiah. Man, the prophet wanted God's people to know that as bad as things were during captivity, that God is going to make a way for them, that God is still going to keep his covenant promise. But that restoration and that new life could even begin to begin right now if they would return to his word. Ezekiel will call on the people to follow God, despite the discipline of their captivity. And we're going to learn from this book that that God's glorification is his greatest purpose. And church, it should be our greatest purpose as well. God will keep his promises. He will keep his word. And this book shows us why no matter what is happening culturally around us, whether it's because of the choices made by the culture whether we're experiencing some pain right now because of the choices that we made ourselves, this book shows us why we need to be anchored in God's word in every single season. Come on, are you ready to get into the word of God this morning? Look, if you're ready, shout amen. Ezekiel chapter 37, starting in verse 1. The hand of the Lord was upon me, and he brought me out in the spirit of the Lord and set me down in the middle of the valley it was full of bones and he led me around among them and behold there were very many on the surface of the valley and behold they were very dry and he said to me son of man can these bones live and i answered oh lord you know then he said to me prophesy over these bones and say to them oh dry bones hear the word of the lord Bone to bone to its bone, and I looked, and behold, there were sinews on them, and flesh had come upon them, and skin had covered them, but there was no breath in them. Then he said to me, Prophesy to the breath, prophesy, son of man, and say to the breath, Thus says the Lord God, Come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe on these slain, that they may live. So I prophesied as he commanded me. And the breath came into them, and they lived. And they stood on their feet, an exceedingly great army. Then he said to me, Son of man, these bones are the whole house of Israel. Behold, they say, our bones are dried up, and our hope is lost. We are indeed cut off. Therefore prophesy and say to them, Thus says the Lord God, Behold, I will open your graves and raise you from your graves, O my people, and I will bring you into the land of Israel, and you shall know that I am the Lord. When I open your graves and raise you from your graves, O my people, and I will put my spirit within you, and you shall live. And I will place you in your own land, then you shall know that I am the Lord. And listen to this, church. I've spoken. And I will do it, declares the Lord. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, Lord, you are holy and you are good. The one who existed before anyone or anything. Lord, you are God, we are not. You are the creator, God, we are the creation. God, would you forgive us when we get that twisted? God, would you forgive us when we try to sit on the throne of our own lives instead of, Lord, submitting to you? You are the good shepherd. God, we need you to overcome. God, we need you to make it through. If you have spoken it, God, you will do it. God, if you have spoken it, God, I declare on behalf of our church that we will follow. Lord, breathe your life and directions to the areas of our life right now that are dry, dry or maybe the areas of our life that are even dead. God, would you bring them back to life in accordance with your word, God, with your purpose? God, would you breathe life into what has been broken and what needs to be made brand new? God, we need your word. Lord, anchor our hearts, God, our minds, God, our very lives in the word of God. In Christ's name, amen. Church, why do we anchor ourselves in the word of God? Number one, write this down, okay? We anchor ourselves in the word of God because through God's word, we get direction. Through God's word, we actually get the very direction that we need to move in this life. Again, look at what Ezekiel said right here in verse one. He says, the hand of the Lord was upon me and he brought me in the spirit of the Lord And he set me down in the middle of the valley. He says, this valley was full of bones. And then he led me around them. And behold, there were very many on the surface of the valley. And behold, they were very dry. Look, through God's words, church, we get direction. And through God's word here, we see here that God both leads and he also guides with his word, but with his spirit. He guides both with his word And also with his spirit. Man, again, look at this directional language that Ezekiel uses here. He says, look, God leads him, he led him, he even set him down. The hand of the Lord was actually upon him. Look, God gives us direction through his word and his spirit, but also remember that the spirit-leading church never contradicts what the word teaches. Look, however God might be leading us, It never contradicts what he has actually said in his word. But keep looking back in verse 1, okay? Whether you have a digital Bible or an analog Bible, I want you to underline some stuff and circle some things today, okay? Keep looking back at verse 1. Look, that term right there, that phrasing that's used where it says, brought me out in the Spirit, is often a reference to when someone is experiencing some type of vision from God. So Ezekiel is noting here, look, he's he's not literally in this place where he's looking out and there's a bunch of bones around okay he's experiencing a vision from God he's not talking about a future zombie movie or a scene from the walking dead he's saying that God is taken to this place where he's seeing this vision of the reality of his people so God is given this picture of what is happening but it's through this vision So that phrase there, brought me out in the spirit, means that he's experiencing an actual vision from the Lord. But also look at the phrase there where it says that the hand of the Lord was upon me. This again, this links to the fact when God is guiding people through his spirit, through his word, when God is actually guiding people with both power and authority. Look, Ezekiel is in this vision, but he's literally gripped by the greatness of God. And he's saying, when the hand of the Lord is on him, he's saying that because of what God has said, because of the way he's been guiding me, he says, I'm gripped by that. I'm literally gonna follow the Lord however he leads. But then look at the contrast in verse two. As he's looking out over this valley that's filled with these dried bones, he says, the Lord led me around. And behold, there were very many of this on the surface of the valley, these dry bones. And he says, behold, and notice that it says that they were very dry. They were very dry. Look, this is a picture. Again, there were 10,000 Jewish people in captivity. They rebelled against the Lord. They were far from God. They had gone after what the culture had said, gone after what other nations had said, going after all these other idols, rejecting the things of God. And this is a picture of right now the people are so dry spiritually. In fact, the Bible says that they were very dry. Man, do you see the, 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 the contrast there? Here is Ezekiel, who is this picture of someone who, man, the hand of God is on him. He's heard the word of God. He's submitting to it. He's following what it says. But there's a valley of people who are dry, very dry, far from God. So I wanted to ask you this question. Is the hand of the Lord on you, or has it been a long time? Look, these bones were very dry, kind of like a tree that hasn't gotten water for a very long time, that's dried up, even dry rotten. And so it's saying that they have been there a very long time in this 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 position, this lack of nourishment for a very, very, very long time. They were very dried up. And then here's Ezekiel following the Lord because what God has said, it gripped his heart and lit a passion in him. And here's Ezekiel following the Lord. So when was the last time that when you spent time with the Lord, that he actually gripped your heart, that you actually submitted to it. You know, sometimes when we read passages like this, we, we may think, well, well, if I read the Bible, if I, if I really do hear some of these things and, and I, I submit my life to the Lord, and actually follow him, look, is God gonna call me to be a pastor or a, or a missionary somewhere? And that could be true. <laughs> that could be true. But sometimes we miss even in just the small moments when we're reading God's word, when we're taught God's word, where God wants to grip our hearts Or grip our hearts again and wants to call us to action. We don't just hear the word of God, we do what it says. Um, We just started spiritual formations. And one of the spiritual formations that I teach um, every single year, at least every single year that I've been here for about two and a half, three years now, um, every single year I teach a spiritual formation called Love Your Neighbor. And every single year I go through how many times God has said in his word that you will love your neighbor as yourself. You will love your neighbor as yourself. You will love your neighbor as yourself. In fact, just spoiler alert, church, is not a suggestion it needs to be a priority for every believer. In fact, all the way from Leviticus in the Old Testament, all the way down to James in the New Testament, so many times, I think it's 19 times the Lord has said you will love your neighbor as yourself. It needs to be a priority for every believer. Again, I was gripped by that again, that the people that God literally has made our neighbors, I am to love them as myself. The people that he's going to put in our circles of influence, again, whether they're far from God right now, whether they're loving the Lord, he's called us to love our neighbor as ourselves. Come on, do you, live, do you take that literally, or is it just a great suggestion to you? When was the last time that when you were spending time with the Lord and you read the Bible and either it was taught to you or you read it and God gripped your heart and it actually moved you to action? Man, sometimes we can read this and we can ignore what the Lord has said, but when was the last time that in reading God's Word, what was taught and what was said to you, that you actually felt it and you knew it and you knew something needed to change and you actually followed through with it? Again, Ezekiel heard... He was moved, he followed, and he obeyed. These other bones, they were dry, even lifeless. Come on, are you in a dry place right now? It might just be in 2024 that obeying God's word, submitting to his direction, might be the key to new life, being breathed into your spiritual life, breathed even into your physical life. When we are anchored in the Word of God, we are anchored in His Word because it actually gives us this life-giving direction. We need to be anchored in His Word in this year. The second thing I see right here, why do we anchor ourselves in the Word of God? Number two, write this down. Look, through God's Word, we get discernment. Not only does He give us direction on where we should go, but He also gives us discernment on how we should live and respond, Again, look at what Ezekiel said right here in verse 3. He says, he said to me, the Lord said to him, son of man, can these bones live? And look, that phrasing right there, son of man, again, like these bones represent people who are dry, kind of far from the Lord right now, who have heard the word of God and have not received the word of God. But here, the phrase son of man kind of, Ezekiel kind of represents another section of mankind. People are listening to the word of God, following what the Lord has said. And so he says, son of man, can these bones live? And I love Ezekiel's response here. Ezekiel said, I answered and said, oh, Lord God, you know. God asked him a question. Can these bones live? And Ezekiel says, oh, Lord God, you know. Man, I love his response. Can you hear the humility in his response? Look, that phrase right there where it says, Lord God, oh Lord God, the word Lord right there in the original language is a word Adonai, and it means Lord or master. Even in his response, it's positional. He's saying, look, I do have a master, and I am his servant. And then our English translators often help us. When you see the word God capitalized, all caps in the Bible, it's a reference to God using his covenant name in that moment. It's Yahweh. So Ezekiel is saying, oh, master, Yahweh, you know. And I love because God asked him this question. And Ezekiel is at first like, well, oh, Lord, let me Google it first. He's in like, oh, Lord, in response to your question, and this question that maybe I even have to as well, let me go in and check the old Facebook and see what people are saying out there. He doesn't even say, oh, Lord, let me go ask my cousin Pookie, and they seem to know a lot. Let me see what they're thinking right now in the moment. He says, oh, Lord, Master, Yahweh, God of the universe, you know. Church, I would challenge you, okay, when it comes to the questions that you're going to face in life, that you would start with the one who knows everything. See, Ezekiel knew that his truth needs to submit to God's word. He knew that no matter what it was he was actually thinking in the moment, it needs to submit to what the Lord would say. and needs to submit to God's word. And for all of us, look, we need to submit what, to what the Lord has said in his word. All truth submits to God's truth. If the Lord has said it, we're going to submit to it. No matter how popular or profitable an opinion is, we're going to submit to what the word of God has said. Church, listen to me. Look, in this political climate this year, you are going to need some discernment. You are going to need to be angered in a truth that does not bend or break. You're going to need to be anchored in the truth that does not slip. It does not lose its grip. And in a year where we have all this economic climate and you're unsure what's going to happen, you need to be anchored in what God has said in his word, his principles, and even his ways. And not to keep plugging spiritual formations, but many of you in here, maybe some of you in here, you've been living paycheck to paycheck for a while. You feel overwhelmed and anxious about your finances. You feel overwhelmed, even fearful as to what might happen to your finances this year, but God gives us some principles in his word that is an anchor for every economic climate that will ever happen. Maybe this is the year that you need to go to something like that spiritual formation class so you can be anchored in the word of God. There's one of the reasons why this church even has, if you're a member, man, we have financial advisors that can come around you that can help you in every season. It's one of the reasons why we're going to be giving Financial Peace University later this year so that no matter what, you can have financial peace in every season. God's word gives us peace. It directs us even in an unsure economic climate. Look, in your home, in your relationships, in your finances, and the very decisions you're going to make this year, you need some discernment. So when it comes to that moment of discernment, do you say, oh Lord God, you know. Come on, do you do what James says in James chapter one, where he says, he says, look, seek the Lord, ask him for wisdom who abundantly gives wisdom. Do you do like what the writer of Proverbs says when he says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not to your own understanding, but in all your ways acknowledge him and he is going to direct Your Do you say, oh, Lord God, you know? Come on, why do we anchor ourselves in God's word? It gives us direction. Come on, church, is the hand of God on you right now? Are you hearing him? Are you obeying him? Are you following him? We anchor ourselves in the word of God because it gives us discernment. I really do believe this year, the climate and the culture is gonna tap more and more into this overwhelming confusion, which is almost like confusing things or truthful things right now in the culture. Come on, are you gonna tap more and more into this overwhelming confusion that produces more anxiety and fear and worry in us? Or are you gonna turn to the very discernment that comes from God where his word is truth? It is peace in every season. Are you anchored in the word of God? And one more thing, I think it might be my favorite thing that this passage teaches right here about being anchored in the word of God. All right, number three, why do we anchor ourselves in the word of God? It's because through God's word, death is defeated. Look, through God's word, even the greatest enemy that we have is defeated. Again, look what Ezekiel says here in verse four. Then he said to me, prophesy over these bones. Now, I know sometimes, like depending on maybe some of your church background, um, you, you may look at that word prophecy. I know a lot of people will interpret it many different ways. And a lot of times when we look at that word prophecy or prophesy, a lot of times we immediately go to, okay, there's future telling that's happening. And that is true. Again, it's talking about the moment where I mean, Ezekiel is going to speak these words and ultimately where God's word begins to impact the people and change starts to happen. There is future telling that happens. But really, the, the biggest emphasis of the word prophesy or prophecy, the biggest emphasis of that word is that you're speaking on God's behalf, but with passion and with boldness, declaring the word of God, even if it sounds crazy. Declaring the word of God into situations, into circumstances, even if everything else around you is crazy. Again, think about what Ezekiel's doing here. He's speaking to dry bones. That's crazy. But God says, declare my word, prophesy my word. So he says, prophesy over these bones and say to them, O oh dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. And thus says the Lord God to these bones, behold, I will cause breath to enter into you. Now that word "breath" there in the original language is the word "ruach." In fact, let's all say that together because it's just fun to say. One, two, three. Let's say "ruach." One, two, three. Ruach. Actually, you're supposed to say "ruah" like that. You kind of—it's kind of a breathy word, okay? All right, so let's try it that way. Okay, one more time. One, two, three. Ruah. Now, depending again where you're looking in Scripture, like that word, you'll see like that word "breath" in there. Sometimes it just means wind, but it goes back to—it's pointing back to when God spoke. And he breathed the breath of life into Adam. What the Lord is doing right here, he's getting ready to breathe new life into a broken place. He says, behold, I will cause breath to enter into you, and you shall live. And I will lay sinews upon you, and will cause flesh to come upon you, and cover you with skin, and put breath in you, and you shall live, and you shall know that I am the Lord. Look, this passage shows us here that if you are in the Lord, if you are in Christ, even death is defeated. And because death is defeated, we see that life can be restored here. It means that life can be restored. Man, when God spoke back in Genesis chapter 1, things began to happen. When God spoke his word, the universe came into creation. When God breathed his breath of life into Adam and Eve, man, brand new life was given And what God is showing Ezekiel here is that when you speak my word, even into broken places, man, things start to happen. When you're leaning into the word of God, life can be restored, and even what was broken can be made new into messed up situations. Man, God's word brings life. Death is defeated, and life comes back to what is broken. But see, death is also defeated here, and we see that purpose can actually be found. Look what it says here in verses 7 through 10. So I prophesied as I was commanded, and as I prophesied, there was a sound. And behold, a rattling, and the bones came together, bone to its bone. And in verse 9 it says, Then he said to me, prophesy to the breath, prophesy, son of man, and say to the breath, thus says the Lord God, come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe on these slain that they may live. So I prophesied. And as he he commanded me, and the breath came into them, and they lived, and they stood to their feet, an exceedingly great army. What was dead was now alive, and it had a purpose. They became an exceedingly great army, the Lord says, on his mission, in alignment with his kingdom agenda, And to join him in his kingdom agenda, in his purpose, to bring glory to his name. They now had new life, new direction. They had purpose. But then in verse 11, it says, Then he said to me, Son of man, these bones are the whole house of Israel. Behold, they say, our bones are dried up, and our hope is lost. We are indeed cut off. Therefore prophesy and say to them, Thus says the Lord God. He speaks the word of God to them again. He says, behold, I will open your graves. And he starts talking all this resurrection language. You think it's maybe pointing to a future Messiah that's going to say that even in me, look, if someone dies, yet they will live. He says, I will open your graves and raise you from your graves, O my people. I will bring you to the land of Israel, and you shall know that I am the Lord. When I open your graves and raise you from your graves, O my people, and I will put my spirit within you, and you shall live. And I will place you in your own land. And they shall know that I am the Lord. I have spoken and I will do it, declares the Lord. Look, death is defeated. Hope is not lost. If God has spoken, he will do it. Death is defeated. It's even swallowed up in victory. Man, the apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, he would say this. He says, death is swallowed up in victory. Oh, death. Where is your victory? Oh, death, where is your sting? The sting of death is sin, but power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Look, as our church, as our worship team comes back up to the stage, church, what are we going to do in 2024? What are we going to do? We're going to be anchored in the word of God. Because through his word, we get direction. Come on, is the hand of God on you right now? Are you obeying him? Are you following him? Are you submitting to what he said? In 2024, we're gonna be anchored to the word of God. We are going to get discernment. Look, when the rest of the world is following this culture of confusion, we're gonna look to truth and grace. We're gonna look to God's word that talks about truth and love, we're not going to lean to our own understanding, but in all our ways, we are going to acknowledge him, because His word brings life. In 2024, we're going to see that through God's word, even our greatest enemies are defeated. We always have hope. Life can be restored, and even what was broken can be made brand new if you're anchored in God's word. Let me pray for you. Father God, I pray that this would be a year. And God, maybe we think we are, but God, I pray that we would know we are, anchored in your word. God, I pray that this would be a year that when we need direction, God, we would look to you. God, we would read your word, and God, we would sense that your hand is upon us. God, would you lead us? God, would you even set us down? God, would you guide us? God, would you steer us away? God, would you give us direction through your word? But Lord, would you give us discernment? God, I don't know about anybody else in this room, but Lord, I don't know everything, but you do. I pray, Lord, when we reach moments of decision or doubt, when we don't know what to do, God, maybe even steps before that, God, will we seek you for discernment, Will we say, oh Lord, our master, you know, God, I pray that we would seek you first this year. But God, I pray that we would see that even our greatest enemy has been defeated. And no matter what happens this year, God, if we are in Christ, death has been defeated. It is swallowed up in victory, and our victory in Christ shows us that we overcome. You have made a way for us to experience life and even experience life to the full. God, even in the worst circumstances, God, may we see that death is defeated and hope is never lost because of your word. We thank you, Lord God, in Jesus' name.